The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Do you have a dream that you're scared to act on? Do you have something hidden that you want to do and you're not sure how? Today's guest is for you. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. I am very excited today to talk to Bevan Farrand. She, um, I have followed her for years. I don't think she knows how long I've followed her, but I have, and I am excited because she is created this do the damn thing method. And it comes from just a very emotional, soft place. But also, like, you can do the damn thing no matter what life throws at you. So I'm excited and honored to have Bevan here today. Thank you, Bevan. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. I, it is kind of funny to be like, I followed you for years, and I'm thinking, have I been followable for years? <laughs> <laughs> you have, I think. Like, you know, part of your story is that you were fired or let go during maternity leave, right? Like, let's back up there. <laughs> yes, that's actually... it's. Not during maternity leave. Okay. Twice. Um, when I was pregnant, or sorry, when I had just given birth to my daughter, my oldest daughter, who is six and a half now, during that maternity leave, so that was 2017, I saw the writing on the walls that layoffs were coming. Okay. And so I started to put out some feelers. My husband, Mark, and I started thinking about, should we start a co-working space? And we, I came back from maternity leave and I had picked it to the day. Um, and so July of that year, I was, I was part of layoffs. And so that was, my daughter was five months old. And then flash forward to 2019, uh, my husband surprised me with tickets to France for my 40th birthday, which would be in November. And he gave those to me on Mother's Day. And then two weeks later, I was let go from my job and our son at the time was four months old. So we were not ready for that. We (laughs) thought we have these careers that are doing really well. Uh, We have this family. My kiddos are IVF babies. So just having them was was a large financial risk and investment. Yeah. Huge financial risk and investment. But also we had fought so hard to go through that process that, you know, we were so excited. I had taken money out of our savings to have a full maternity leave. We bought the van because we now had, you know, two yeah, kiddos. Yeah, you needed sliding doors with kids in car seats. And lots of cup holders. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know that so, minivan life. <laughs> I love it. People are so resistant to it. And I think, bring it on. Oh, <laughs> I love my swagger wagon. Exactly. I love it. But so at that point, I said to Mark that I didn't want to look for another job because 
this was actually the third time I had lost my job in under 10 years for one reason or another. Yeah. And I didn't want to continue to put the financial health of our family into one person's hands. And so I then started my business, Collaborate.Work. And I, Mark was an engineer and he was very supportive, although also terrified. Uh, but we decided, to, <laughs> we decided to put some benchmarks in place. And I said, if I can make $5,000 by the end of August, then we'll consider this a viable concept. And I did. And even though we had thought we should cancel that trip to France, um, by the time we left, I had made $35,000 in my business. Wow. So definitely picking up speed still feels very tenuous because it's brand new. And we went on this trip and we were in planes for the same amount of time we were on the (laughs) ground. It was a 39 hour trip, I think all in, but we had these two kiddos. Yeah. It was just, this is the agent's age and the window that you had. Yeah. We didn't throw, we didn't throw things in. I mean, we did actually only take backpacks, which was hilarious, but we We would be carry on only for that amount of time. Well, and, but, but because it was just the two of us. Yeah, exactly. Like there's freedom. You don't have a baby. Like there's, your bag is so different after you have a kid. (laughs) It is so different. We didn't have car seats. We didn't have strollers. It was amazing. And so we went on this trip. I got to spend my 40th birthday with the love of my life in Bordeaux, France. And we came home and it was Thanksgiving week. So we got stuff done around the house. It was pre-pandemic. So there were 25 people coming to our house and Thanksgiving was great. You know, we had our two kiddos. Um, Guinevere was two. Jonathan was 10 months. And the next day I went upstairs to wake up Mark and he had passed away in the middle of the night. Yeah. Completely unexpectedly. He had undiagnosed heart disease. And so now, even though that business had been growing, I am now the sole financial provider of two kiddos under the age of three mm-hmm. with a brand new business and without my best friend and my biggest cheerleader by my side. And so in, in such a, a shocking, traumatic way too. like, let's pause. Very, like, I just want to yeah. say, like, I, I he, he, I've heard you say this story and share your pain, but like every time it's like a gut punch to me, like I, yeah. I put myself in your shoes and I'm like, wow. And you still, I mean, you have to pick up and keep going. You've got little kids, but yeah, but you did, you know, (laughs) I, I, I was working with a grief coach a few months after Mark passed away. I started working with a grief coach. I'm glad. Yeah. She's amazing. She works pretty specifically with widowed moms. And I remember saying to her about four months after we started working together, I'm like, well, I couldn't just curl up under my desk and not move forward. And she says, you could have. Right. First of all, nobody would have blamed you and other people have done just that. And it never really occurred to me to do that. But what I did, because people will ask me. Yeah, your coping strategy was specific to you. Well, what it was is that I... I got really specific on my yes. And that's one of the things in my do the damn thing method, but I got really specific on my yes. And my yes was to keep my children safe and healthy, to keep myself safe and healthy and to keep our home because Mark and I had built this home. Oh, And in order to do those things, I had to keep my business running. I also felt a lot of comfort and normalcy in taking clients back on because Mm -hmm. If you've ever lost somebody, especially if you've lost a spouse, there's just so much paperwork and red tape 
and 401ks and life insurance and all of these things where you feel incredibly ineffective. I would be on the phone for two hours and hang up and say, I, I don't even know. I still don't know. <laughs> and so going back to work, yeah, let me feel effective. And like I was making a difference in people's lives. That makes total sense. Yeah. You could see the needle move there where with yeah. so many other places you couldn't. Right. Exactly. So it gave me something to focus on. I mean, obviously I was focusing on my kids. Right. But I mean, you and I are going to talk about why your kids can't be your only why. No. Um, but it, it was just moving things forward. And so a month after Mark had passed away, I made a post on social media about the trip and about losing Mark and my birthday. And I had ended that with saying, whenever you're faced with a choice, just take the damn trip. And that really resonated with people. And I knew it was going to be something. I didn't know what it was going to be. It wasn't until almost a year later that it really started to take shape into the take the damn chance movement and the do the damn thing method. But what I did in that time over the next six, seven, eight months yeah. is I looked at the hardest things that I have been through. So not just losing Mark, but fertility, right? Going oh, down yeah. an IVF journey. Um, I lost my dad to cancer when I was 24. I lost my home in a house fire. And I looked at those and then I looked at the most amazing things I had done, growing my business, having my kiddos. And that is where I said, what is it that I do differently than other people to navigate these things with some grace and creativity? Mm -hmm. And that's where the damn framework started to come up. So I say the word damn a lot. It's okay. <laughs> As you know, <laughs> but it stands for something. It means something. It stands for decide and declare, attend your own party, moments, not minutes, and now is the time. And so that became the take the damn chance movement where we take the chance on yeah. ourselves and on that dream we have in our heart. Um, and we, we know that now is the time and we, we need to move forward towards those things. Okay. So let's talk about that. When, what's the D again? Decide and declare? Decide and declare. Yeah. Is that hard for most moms to get down to deciding? Like, it's hard for me yeah. to pick out yogurt sometimes. So to like, to yeah. decide on a goal that I want to move forward. I know there have been times that like, I would have given up there. Yeah, absolutely. So the decide and declare is really the foundation of the do the damn thing method. It's where you craft what I call your damn manifesto, which is actually my new book that is out now. Um, is all about your damn manifesto. So the reason I think we have a hard time deciding is that we have forgotten how to dream like children. We dream like editors. So <laughs> as soon as we have an idea, our editor brain kicks in and says, well, that's not going to work. Or you haven't thought about this, or you have to do this, this, and this. Oh yeah. So I was just to interrupt you. Like I totally yeah. had this conversation with one of my teenagers the other day about like, you don't have to pre-decide that the other people are going to say no to your invitation. Right. Like you get to put up the invitation and decide yeah. if you're good with the invitation, but they get to decide like, yeah. Let them decide. Yeah. yeah. And when we let them have their yes or their no, then we're not demanding. Yeah. Like you don't have to like edit the story and say that you're too much and that you're not even going to try. Yes, absolutely. Yes. But think about it, how our kids dream, right? Yeah. Like my daughter, I asked her, you know, we fill out her first day of school uh -huh. board that says, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
And she just quit dance in May. I mean, she's six, so yeah. quitting dance is just deciding she's not going to do it this she's year. She's going to rotate through something else. Yeah. Right. But on her board, she said, I want to be a dancer. And I said, <laughs> well, then you probably are going to need to start taking dance again. And she was like, no, she didn't. But that's how her mind is, right? When I was a kid, I wanted to be um, an actress, a lawyer, a truck driver, and a nun like, all at once. And I didn't see any reason why I couldn't do those four things. That's dreaming like a child. Yeah. Right. And do so you, have, do any of those careers have anything to do with what you're doing now? Um, acting does, okay. I think, because I love, I'm a keynote speaker. I'm a motivational speaker. I love being on stage. Yeah. Um, and so that actually, when you boil things down to what is the element you actually want, uh-huh. this is part of the attend your own party. Is, okay. What is the element that you actually want? Or when you see somebody that you want to be like, yeah. what is it? You don't want to be that person, but what is it? Is it the way they parent? Is it their compassion? Is it their way they are in partnership with them? Right. There's something shiny about them that's drawing you to them. Exactly. So when we can break those things down, then we can fulfill that. So for me, being on stage, I love it. And so- that fulfills the part of me that wants to perform yeah. without me trying to be on tour with a Broadway show and be away from my kids 11 months out of the year. That wouldn't match with your other values. It wouldn't. I mean, because I tell people I have friends. I mean, I went to a theater high school. I have friends on Broadway who are in di- completely different places in their life. If I if that had been the path I had gone down, I probably would not have married Mark and had right. the kids that I have. Yeah, like all the dominoes would have changed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's the thing about dreaming like children is we have to dream big before we can focus in. And that's one of the things I do in the damn manifesto is we start by doing just a brain dump of what are all the things you could do? And you run, you write for 15 minutes, you write until the water runs clear. And then Ooh, I like that phrase. I know one of my first coaches told me that. I that's perfect. I was going to ask, like, how do you do it? Because I think it would take me a couple of sessions. Like, you, yeah. To figure out your yes. Oh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Like, so, and it would, like, I would need to go on a walk. Like, I'm an active thinker. Yeah. And then. Yeah. So with the dreaming big, I say you set a timer for 15 minutes and you just write and write and write. And then if you're an active thinker, I would recommend you go for a walk. And then if anything else comes up, you write it down or any other time you're just thinking and something kind of strikes you, you write it down. Then you go in and you focus in and you pick your yes. Okay. And because we have to, like when everything is a top priority, nothing is. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) We have to pick our yes for now. It doesn't mean your yes for the rest of your life, but the thing that you are willing to say no to other things because when you say yes to something, you are unconsciously saying no to thousands of other things. Right. Right. Me being here with you right now, I'm saying no to being with my kids at the library. I'm saying no to be on a different podcast. I'm saying no to, but that's okay because this is my yes. Mm -hmm. So we pick our yes. And then the next steps are you do a good gut check um, you add some vibrancy to it. And then if you ever feel like, you know what, this doesn't feel right, you just go back through that process. Okay. And so it's never have- set in stone. Like it's no. never, it's always wet cement that can be erased again. Yes. Yes. 
and I even wrote this in the book. I said, yes, but I don't want this to be a constant spinning. Change my mind. So I'm just going to go. So commit to it for a while. Try it out. Do the dress up and try on the actions. Yeah. If you go through the whole thing and you craft your damn manifesto and there's a lot to it. Um, you know, you then create a parking lot for your other ideas. Um, you, there's just ways to do it. But if you ever say, you know what, I think this other idea is, is what I actually want to go after. You go back through the process. Gotcha. Because if you say, you know, I don't want to go through the whole process, then it's not, <laughs> it's not the right thing for you. If you're not willing to spend a couple hours or a couple days right. crafting a new damn manifesto, then that's not really the thing you're willing to go all in on. That sounds good because yeah, it's really easy to get swept up. Yeah. Well, because especially if you're an entrepreneur or you're a multi-passionate yeah. person, we have... Or you're a parent, shining. right? Like all yeah. these are moms. So let's talk about that. Like your kid's season might change temporarily. And so things might have to shift around and you have to decide, yeah. can you actually juggle this goal with with actual life? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we also have to... So I'm a big... Um, advocate for what I call micro actions. Yes. And so micro actions are the smallest possible action that you will actually take. And it's just a way of getting momentum and getting your feet moving. Yeah. Because the start of something is the hardest place to be. And so if you are a mom, which everybody listening is probably a mom and you feel like, well, I could never write a book, right? Am I, yes, I really, what I really want to do is write a book. And I remember when I was writing this book and I was, I have a friend um, who was helping me with the publishing process. And I said, well, it's just not done yet. Just can't find time for it. She said, just write for 15 minutes a day. And that's a micro action, right? So 15 minutes for the day. And at the end of that 15 minutes, if I want to keep going, I can, but I don't have to. And if I were to set those timers for 15 minutes and I still wasn't doing it, then the micro action wasn't small enough. That makes sense. So I might say five minutes or I might say just three sentences. Yeah. Because people think, oh, that's just too small. But we have to do the micro actions. Everything is just a series of micro actions. It's just that when you've gotten used to things, the micro actions are bigger. Yeah. They just become invisible to you. Like as I teach a kid to drive here, like all the micro actions um, that she is hyper aware of (laughs) and now I'm hyper aware of. (laughs) Right. Like you're teaching her to get in, put the keys because everything's a push button. Yeah. Right. So put the keys in the cup holder or whatever, buckle your seatbelt, check your mirrors, check your other mirror, look around you, Turn the car on, put the car in reverse, look at all those things. There's like a hundred steps that you could do just in the driveway. Right. But you do them. You start the car. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah. Like the one I always double check is just, is everyone else buckled? (laughs) Right. But even all of that, right? Is Uh that you are still doing all of those things. Right. You are getting in the car. It's just on autopilot. Yeah. Yes. So now your micro action is just start the car and start driving. And that's what we have to remember is everything is just a series of micro actions. So you have to do the first thing before you get to the next. But a lot of times when we come up with this dream, we think we have to go, we have to go big or go home. We have to 
carve out two hours a day to work on our dream. If if our dream is health and fitness, we have to join a boot camp. We haven't worked out in six months, but now but let's go to the most aggressive workout we can possibly find. <laughs> right. Right. All of a sudden I'm going to do CrossFit. Like what? <laughs> no, we have to, we micro actions allow you to build momentum and create sustainable growth yes. towards bringing your yes and bringing your dreams to life. Okay, so when you decide your thing, your yep. big dream that you want to go in and you start doing the micro actions and then people are like, well, what are you doing that for? And so you share yeah. your idea with them. You have this mind-blowing thing for me that has blown my mind multiple times every time you say it, about permission versus support. So yeah. what happens when you share right. what you want to do? Um yeah. What happens? Well, well, nine times out of 10, we're declaring too soon. Okay. And so what we're doing a lot of times in January, you'll see this like disguised. Even now, like in the back to school season, I think yeah. that this is also a time that a lot of families remake goals. Yes. They remake goals. But in January, you'll see people make them on social media. Yes. This is my million dollar year. This is the year <laughs> I lose 20 pounds. This is the year I run a marathon. All of these things, and we're making these big, bold declarations too soon. And so we're just sharing it. And then because we do that, we don't feel like we can have any vulnerability when it gets hard. So what we do, if, even if we're not, t- if you take social media out of it, right, you, we have these ideas and we go around unconsciously asking for permission and per- asking for permission sounds like. I'm thinking about quitting my job. What do you think? I'm thinking about starting a business. What are your thoughts? Or I want to move across country. Do you think that I should? Right? We're just asking these questions and we're usually asking it of people that we care about and people who care about us. And so then we value their opinion and they want to keep us safe. So they try that dream on for themselves And if they are at all uncomfortable, they will start to eat away at it. They'll start to say things like, ooh, I don't know, in this economy, do you really want to start a business? Or, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. You could get a worse job. Yeah. Um, All of these things like, oh, are you sure you want to move across country? You don't know anybody in Ohio. You don't know anybody in California. And what that is doing is we are unconsciously asking for permission. Instead, we want to ask and look for support. Yeah. And so support, you can be asking the same thing, but it has a different energy. It is, I'm starting this business. I would love for you to support me, but if you can't, that's okay. And so uh, we even talked about this with like, we're inviting people Mm -hmm. and we give them the opportunity to say no. Right. Because their decision about whether or not to support you will not change your decision about whether or not to do it. Right. This is exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah. So what I don't think I mentioned was my biggest, boldest dream that yeah. I literally brought to life <laughs> was that when Mark passed away, we were about 60 days away from starting our next round of IVF. Oh, wow. And so it was already very active in conversation. Yeah. We. Um, so I like to nurse my children for a year yeah. whenever possible. So my son was 10 months and we were talking about, okay, well, come January. Right. When he weans, we're going to, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I was going to consciously do it. I was like, okay, I'm going to start thinking about it because we were already talking about it. And I have always wanted to be the mom of three. I did not feel that it was fair to lose the love of my life and that dream at the same moment. And so in July of 2021, 20 months after Mark passed away, I had our daughter using embryos that Mark and I had frozen in previous IVF attempts. And so, but when I started, when I first started telling people, I was thinking about doing that. I had someone say to me that it was a terrible idea. And I honestly just said, okay. And I just didn't talk to that person about that idea anymore. It doesn't mean I cut them out of my life. Right. It meant that they had made it very clear that they did not have the capacity to support me. And that was okay because their decision to not support me was not going to change my decision about doing it. And so I just, like I said, I just stopped talking to them about it. I told them they could come and ask me questions if they wanted to, but I wasn't going to bring it up because it clearly made them uncomfortable. Yeah. And there were a handful of people that had that same reaction. And what I did instead is what I call your finding my cheerleaders. So your cheerleaders are two to three people who have the capacity to support you without criticism, without a lot of question at first. Okay. They're just willing to like when my two to three cheerleaders were part of my book club and I set up a text thread with them and I said, your only job is to say, yay, blood tests, like <laughs> hooray for birth control or for um, yeah. pregnancy tests. Right. Yeah. They, yay for these, job. yay yeah, for like, this round of hormone shots. And <laughs> right. Like you made it to the end of your hormone shots. That's great. And but it's it's rarely the people that you think have to be your first cheerleaders. It's rarely your mom. It's rarely your siblings. It might be your spouse because it might impact yeah. them, like whatever your big yes is. But it's people who are not so close to you that they are going to eat away at your dream in order to keep you safe. Yeah, they're not scared as scared for you, like in a defensive way. Yeah, they don't feel this obligation that if something were to happen, like if you were to start this business and it were to fail and they would feel that they gave you permission uh-huh. and then they feel this, this responsibility, um, responsibility. Right. So that's why we just say support. When I emailed my family, Mark's family, our friends about being pregnant. And I, in the video, I said, Hey, I wanted to share this with you. I wanted you to hear my story and hear my excitement and I said, I, we had always wanted this and now I'm pregnant and I would love as much support as possible. So if you want to support me, feel free to reach out. And if you are not jazzed by this, if you don't feel like you can be on board, that's okay too. And I, there are people I have not heard from, from that day Aww. and that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I like there's every once in a while when I want to feel bad, I think about those people And then I have to say, no, I gave them the opportunity to support me and they chose not to. That's important to know. So even though you um, went on this IVF journey after your husband passed away, your kids still can't be your why for all of this, right? No, (laughs) no, your kids can't be your why for your yes. And here's why. 
you say, I want to start this business for financial, you know, freedom for my kids. And I want to have location freedom so I can work from home. Yeah. And, and then your kids um, keep you awake for three nights because they just want to come in and snuggle <laughs> in bed and they're kicking you. Yeah. Or, or they have flu dead. or hand, foot and mouth and right. Right. Or toilet right. floods and you have to deal yeah. with stuff. Yes. All of those things. <laughs> Those things happen and then your kids are your only why and it they're the ones driving you bonkers. And so then it feels easier to just go get a job. Yeah. Right. It feels easier to not write that book because not that your kids aren't worth it, but there are going to be days where they aren't the doing it for your kids is not enough. I, I did this, um I worked with this personal trainer once. And she was like, do it for your kids. I'm like, my kids are the reason I don't have time to do this. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's a, it's a terrible suggestion. You're like, but, I, I, yeah, trying, I see where but, you're going, yeah. but like. Yeah. But so they are also do- my greatest obstacle at this moment. Yes. Right. And it doesn't mean I love them any less. It doesn't mean anything. It means that you have to have a fully fleshed out six-dimensional why. Because when, so the six dimensional why is the six areas of your life that are going to be impacted by your dreams, by your yes. And so they are financial, emotional, mental, physical, social, and spiritual or mission. Okay. And so your kids can be your social why, or they could be your emotional why. Yeah. For me, when I think about- Or maybe even a spiritual why of like the greater, yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. So my, when I think about mine, you know, my, my damn manifesto is to share the damn framework with as many people as possible in as many ways as possible. That's my yes. And my six dimensional why is in order to create a sustainable, thriving business that both supports and inspires my family and the world. And so financially, yep. I want to support my family. I want right. to make sure that they you're a have- breadwinner. You're the breadwinner. I'm the breadwinner. (laughs) Right. And I want to make sure my kids can have gymnastics and dance if they want to, right? I'm not feeling that pinch. Emotionally, it makes me proud. It also means I can inspire my kids, not just support them. Yeah. Um, Mentally, it provides a lot of new challenges that I get to figure out. And I like that. Not every day. So on the days when the mental challenges are too much, I might rest on the emotional. Um, physically, I do get to work from home. I do get to meet my daughter coming off the bus. I get to have dance parties with my kiddos socially. Yes. I'm inspiring my kids and I get to meet new people. Right. You get to inspire yourself. (laughs) I get to be followable by people that I didn't know (laughs) that I was, that were seeing my story, right? Socially that makes an impact. Um, What's next? And then spiritually or mission, like I know that this is my purpose. This is what I am meant to be on this planet to do. Mm -hmm. And so the reason we flesh out all six of those is that at some, it's always going to get hard at some point. Right. We need to expect that it's going to get hard. Yeah. That's what your damn (laughs) manifesto is. It's the touchstone for when it's hard. Excellent. It carries you through. And so when I feel like financially the business isn't doing as well as I want to, then I can rest on, but socially I'm making an impact. Or if I'm, like I said, I'm not feeling inspired or happy. I'm feeling frustrated and discouraged and overwhelmed. 
I can rest on the, this is my soul's purpose to be here. That's why your kids can't be your only why. Yeah. They can be one of them. They can be part of it, but you've got to look at all six areas. There we go. That's so important because there will be hard times you have to endure that you can't expect it anyway. Right. I mean, look, if if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. Whatever your yes is. Right. Right. If your yes is to start a business, if it were be, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. If your yeah, if your yes is to the lose gain muscle, pounds, yeah, yeah, to like yeah, lose thirty pounds but gain ten pounds of muscle. Like if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> yep. And so we just want to look at. So I I have damn manifestos for so many different areas of, I have damn manifestos for parenting. That's awesome. So it's not like you can have multiple. This is good freedom to have. It is. Now I will say usually if there's the beginning, yeah, you have like, like my, my biggest damn manifesto is on take the damn chance. Yeah. The damn thing. It is. That's my biggest damn manifesto because it is the biggest it's a, a, it's a huge element of my life. It's my business. It's my mission. It's the, what I share with the world, but I might also have one for health and fitness. Okay. Right. And it, the reason it, I have one for that is I have found you can sign up for all the boot camps, <laughs> all the CrossFit, all the personal trainers. But if you don't have a damn manifesto, yeah. then when it gets hard and physically it doesn't feel like it's worth it mm-hmm. for me mentally. I think I, if I can do this, I can do anything I set my mind to. Yeah. So when physically it's hard, then I think, yeah, but I can do anything I set my mind yeah. to. So it's a really, I, I know it's my process, right? But it's a really <laughs> powerful process. And I know that because when I feel frustrated, overwhelmed, discouraged, and I go back to this same process, I feel better and I'm more effective. That's fantastic. Now, here's the million dollar question. Are you teaching it to your kids already? Has it changed how you interact with them? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that you asked this question. So one of the things I talk about in the book and I talk about a lot of different places is the PAD method. Okay. And so I have, I have acronyms for almost. <laughs> I love that. That's how your brain works. <laughs> it, well, it makes it so much easier when I'm talking to people. I can be like, I know that that is trip. That is PAD. And all those <laughs> so the PAD method is when we are up in anxiety yeah. and we feel paralyzed and we're basically spun up in our thoughts. Okay. So we pause and get present back in our body. Um, so you can like rub your hands against each other. I have a meditation at just one damn minute.com where it just like walks you through your senses. Then you acknowledge how you're feeling. You're not judging it. You're not trying to change it. You're just naming it. And then you do something. So the other day I'm trying to think exactly what happened. Oh yes. My son tripped my daughter and she said, Mommy, she was hysterical. Mommy, I almost fell and hit my face on the bed. And so on the frame. And so we went into the other room and I said, can you tell me what happened? I said, first of all, let's take some breaths. Let's get kind of back where we are right uh-huh. now. And so we did that. And then I said, can you, t- cause the pausing and get present is get out of the what if and into the what is. It's and easy so- to spiral away. Yeah. Even little <laughs> so kids, easy. right? Like no matter the age. Yeah. So I said, well, what happened? And she said, I, I tripped and almost hit the bed frame. And I said, but what happened? You tripped. Did you hit the bed frame? 
And she said, no. I said, okay, so we just know that you tripped. And now how are you feeling? I said, I, I can imagine you felt a little scared. And she said, yes. I said, how else did you feel? And she said, angry. And I said, okay, how else did you feel? And she said, sad. And we kind of just named all mm-hmm. of them. And, and we talk a lot about emotions because they've gone through losing they, their dad. And yeah, so, they need to. Everyone needs to talk more emotions. <laughs> I, you're so right. <laughs> and then we do something. And so if there, there was nothing to be done about that problem, right? She, the trip had already happened. She had not hit her face <laughs> against the bed frame. But I said, do you want to have a dance party or do you want to? Right. There's still some sort of need that has to be addressed. Well, there's, there's doing something which is changing your physical state, which helps you process your thoughts. Gotcha. So this is kind of your motion changes emotion. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, I mean, sometimes it's that. So when I was getting ready to publish my book and I had a day where I was not, I was paralyzed. And like I said, I use all of these processes. Like when I teach them, I'm like, no, I, I test them every day. <laughs> You're like, this They're is still a... standing up. <laughs> I live in the learning lab. I really do. And so I, I felt that and I paused and I got present. I did that whole like one damn minute meditation. It takes literally a minute. And then I acknowledged how I was feeling. I said, I am drowning in anxiety. I am scared. I am excited. I am overwhelmed. I am hopeful. And then I pushed send because there was something that I could do right towards my yes. But if there's not, then get up and have a dance party. Yeah. Go for a walk, take a shower, something where you're not sitting and stewing yep. in your anxiety. Okay. So take the micro action or yeah. just do the, do something, yeah. do something to work it out. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. But I I 100% teach this to my kids. I love that you do. I was just teaching kids about, or parents about how to teach kids the empathy. And there's this whole um, gender bias too, of like Mm -hmm. talking to girls more about feeling words than boys about feeling words. And how in America, because we're such a doing culture, we often use verbs for our Mm -hmm. feelings (laughs) instead of actual feeling words. Well, it's um, Brene Brown, when she did research for her book, Atlas of the Heart, and she interviewed a bunch of people about emotions and the average number of emotions that people could name was three. And it was usually angry, happy, and sad. I was going to say mad, Which, sad, glad. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think she has 87 emotions in her book. Yeah. So if if parents, if you want to start talking about emotions with your kids, I highly recommend the book, The Color Monster, because it talks about how the monster's colors are all mixed up because their emotions are all mixed Ah. up. And so it breaks it into happiness, sad, angry, scared, and calm. And when we read that book, which is still very often, I will say, I'll read the happiness one. And then I'll say, who here felt happy today? And, you know, my kids usually all raise their hands because they're pretty happy kids. And then we'll get to sad. I'm like, who here felt sad today? And uh, honestly, usually my daughter will raise her hand because she has moments of sadness. Yeah. And I'll tell her it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be happy. Yeah. And we'll go through all of them to show them they could have all five of those emotions in one day. Oh, yeah. And all of them are okay. Yeah. The normalize the waves of feeling things. Yeah. Yesterday, my son said, I am so mad at you. And I said, it's okay to be mad at me. I can, I can take that. <laughs> I can handle it. 
You know, he wanted me to like change my mind about oh, right. going to the ice cream park instead of going to school. <laughs> yeah. And I said, no, it's okay that you're mad about this. It's but right. we still are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You can be mad all the way to school. <laughs> <It's> fine. <laughs> Sometimes that happens, buddy. Yeah. 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 Oh. So it really is like, it is such a, like, again, I know it's my process. So, you know, it's kind of like when you say my kids are so smart. It's like, I know they're my kids, but <laughs> like it'd be really, the damn manifestos can be used for any area of your life. They can be used for every area of your life. And these are tools that you have for yourself. And then you can start teaching your kids. I love that because, yeah, we just all need to talk a little bit more about big dreams and stop mm-hmm. limiting ourselves because we're just always comparing ourselves online now. So I think it's oh, even gosh, harder yeah. to have these big, valid, free dreams mm-hmm. because we yeah. stop ourselves more, I think, than maybe previous generations did who didn't see the yeah. whole world comparing. You know, I my grandfather turned 100 years old in January. Um, wow. He has the same birthday as my son. So they're 96 years apart. And I asked him at his birthday party, I said, Grandpa, um, you know, you share the birthday with my son. What advice, should, what should I tell him each year on his birthday? Huh. And he said, you know, take the chances because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I said, that sounds an awful lot like take the damn chance. <laughs> and that's copywritten. So <laughs> trademarked, you cannot take it. But, it, you know, here he's 100 years old and he had businesses that failed and businesses that succeeded. And he learned how to ski when he was in his 40s and all of these things. And he just was saying, I'm just keep gonna- doing it. I'm going to do the damn thing. He was ages before his time. It's, it's going to do the damn thing. And he lived, you know, he's still alive. He is a hundred years on hundred and a half now. So. That's amazing. Yeah. Yay. Let's be like him. My yeah. grandma's words of advice to me in her late nineties was to make friends with people younger than you. Ooh, so they keep you younger. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that have- way, like you're not alone when you're in your nineties because you can so keep sorry. finding friends. That's really smart. I have three friends that are two, four, and six, but I will find <laughs> additional friends who are also younger than me. <laughs> well, as you live this amazing, wonderful, full life, what are you doing for self-care? Oh, you know what? I actually do quite a bit for self-care. Um, so I have fibromyalgia. I have a, I call it my tentative diagnosis because I'm still trying to figure it out. But that's so, a tricky one. Yeah. It's a real tricky one because there's no like blood tests to say. Yeah. It's like rule everything have. else out sort of exactly. thing. Exactly. But so I get massages every two weeks because that helps my body. Um, so I will do that. I have consciously put support in my life. And so I have a full-time nanny who's been with me since before Mark passed away. So I think she's coming up on four years here. And that is the way that I can enjoy parenting more. And I know that that is something that not everybody can afford or has built into their life. And so, but even if you don't have full-time childcare, I think it's so important to schedule time where somebody else is caring for your children so that you can go out with your girlfriends. You know, I I talk a lot about finding your damn people. Um, You have the people who are walking that same stage of life with you and can commiserate and understand. You don't have to explain to them what it's like to potty train a two-year-old. Um. So I, I am very conscious of having that support and making sure I do my book club once a month with my girlfriends and 
Um, let's see. And then a good, you know, a good pumpkin spice cold brew. Yeah. I love all of this, but I just especially love the transparency of the fact that you have this full-time support that was around before your husband passed away too. Yeah. I mean, people will say to me, oh, well, two things I think I want to address here. Yeah, please do. (laughs) A thousand percent. I do not do this alone. You know, people will hear about the success in growing Collaborate.work and the success in growing Take the Damn Yeah, we write these stories in our own heads. Yeah, I grew those business. Collectively, I grew them to over $600,000 in about three and a half years. Wow. And people will be like, oh my gosh. And then I'm like, but I didn't do that alone. I have my assistants. I have people that support me in social media or copy or whatever that is. And I have support at home. And I, you know, part of me as I grow my business to the point where I can still afford to have that at home. So I think that's part of it. And the other thing I want to address is that people may have heard that and been heard what I said and been like, oh, must be nice. Mm-hmm. Right? Must be nice. I, no wonder you can do these things. Because right. No wonder not. why you have all this thinking time to create a manifesto. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And what I would say is I would just encourage people whenever you have that feeling of Ugh, must be nice to just take a step back and and sit with that to say, you know what, that that's the attender on party. That's the comparing ourselves because you can look at me and say, oh, must be nice that you have this full-time care. But I might turn around and look at you and say, "Might be must be nice that you have your husband. And so we've got to stop comparing ourselves to other people. And instead, like I said earlier, look at the elements <laughs> that inspire us and use those as, as inspiration to move forward. So if somebody heard that and said, Oh, must be nice to have that, that childcare. And then maybe you say, Oh, okay. So I'm feeling that I want more support in that area. How can I take a micro action towards it? How can I ask one of my kids friends to drive my kids home from school one day a week so that I don't have to sit and pick up line. Right. Right. Or how can I maybe ask a neighbor to watch my kid for an hour so I can take a nap? Yep. Right? Like we, we can do whatever we want with that time, but micro action that up yeah. to the point where you say, okay, maybe if I, maybe if I sell one thing that is $20, I can afford one hour of babysitting time. Right. We start to look at it that way and we start to see possibility. Okay. I like that because that's important. Mm-hmm. It's important to be transparent about when we have help so that yeah. other people can see where we're starting from. But also, yeah, don't use that as a way to just count yourself out. Yeah. Because let me tell you, my nanny was sick last week. She was not here Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday or Friday. And I tried to get stuff done around my kids. And I it was, it was hard. Like yeah. I did not, my, all my book edits were due last week and the kid I had whenever I was in school, but I had Jonathan and Maristella. They watched a lot of movies. Um, when Maristella went to nap and Jonathan was at school, I like worked ferociously in yep. those two hours. I do not expect anyone who does not have childcare to be working a full-time job in and around their yeah. It's important to say. Well, despite all those hurdles, what did you have for family fun last week? Or how are you having fun with your three best friends? <laughs> you know what? We do a lot. My, my two of my sisters and my mom live nearby. So 
we actually had a lot of fun this weekend. The kids started, the two older kids started soccer, which was both fun and exhausting. We had two birthday parties on Sunday, which was also fun and exhausting. Uh-huh. But yesterday, we, my youngest daughter is starting toddler time, which is two hours a week. So it's actually more inconvenient than uh-huh. great. It's not, it's not free time. That's for sure. But she had her school picnic. And so we had dinner here a little bit early and we got to go to the school picnic and have ice cream and play uh-huh. at the park and then come home a little bit late and go to bed. I love that. Yeah. We love ice cream here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a favorite here. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being you. Um, I'm just so glad you are here on earth and you have always been and always will be exactly the right mom for your kids. So thank you for that being you. I do say I'm not a perfect mom, but I am the perfect mom for my kids. And I think everybody listening should hear that because you may not be a perfect mom, but you are the perfect mom for your kids. You can't actually be the perfect mom. Let's just cross that off. Like you can't be. So we can be a good enough mom and you've always been exactly the right mom. So, but thank you for having me. Thank you for what you are doing in this world. I love it. And I'm honored to be a part of it. And that includes you because you take the time to listen to this Keep Calm Mother On podcast. I hope that you pause and let yourself dream. Last week, Dr. Morgan Cutlip talked about how we need to go mom ourselves. And then today, Bevan talked about letting ourselves dream like a child. I challenge you to embrace both of these ideas and to take care of yourself and to make adulthood look amazing for our kids. I am so glad that you are here on earth. You make my life better. Have a great day. Bye.